There's a scripture in the book of Proverbs. It talks about a man that doesn't have self-control is like a city without walls. Self-control. In the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah actually means comforter. And, and some of you may know about this story, a story in the Old Testament where the children of Israel is going back to their land. But the walls were all broken down. Those walls actually represent a person's soul. The scripture says a person who does not have self-control is like a city without walls. And let me tell you, the enemy wants you to stay vulnerable to him and not build up your soul, build up your emotions. We want, we want to learn how to be healthy in our emotions. Because you know what? We can't grow spiritually beyond our emotional health. Where our emotional health is, is where our spiritual growth will be. So we've been talking about some things. This is our last sermon, and we're taking it from this book, Emotional and Healthy Discipleship. But these are the things that we talked about. The first thing, be before you do. I heard about this story of this, 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 this traveler in Africa, and he's just checking out everything, and he's got some people taking him around and stuff like that, and he's just He's an American. He's just going, 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 going. Let's go see this place. He's a, let's go to this place. He had the tour guides, and eventually the tour guides, they were African. The tour guides just sat down under the tree. He was ready to go. And, and he was like, hey, I'm ready to go. He's like, I don't know. The, the tour guide said, I don't know where you guys come from or what you guys do in your country, but in our country, sometimes we have to wait to allow our soul to catch up with our body. Here in America, we like to go, 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 go. Isn't it New York called the, the, what's the city that never sleeps? New York, Seattle. Seattle, New York. Go, 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 go. And you know what? We can get caught up in doing things for God, going, 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 but some of that stuff is not actually healthy for us. We need to learn how to be. We need to learn how to be like Mary instead of Martha, where Martha was like, hey, good to see y'all. Hey, don't you see all these people I have to serve, Jesus? Can you tell Mary to come help me? Jesus said, you know what? What Mary has chosen, we're not going to take away from her. She's chosen the better thing. So the better thing, I don't care what you're doing in your life, the better thing is spending time with Jesus. We are human beings, not human doings. Sometimes we get our who and do mixed up, and we define ourselves by what we do, but we need to define ourselves by who we are in Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? amen. Be before do. Follow the crucified, not the Americanized Jesus. One thing that America like, likes is its comforts. We like our comforts, don't we? We like our independence. But you know what? Following the crucified Jesus is not about comforts. It's about taking up our cross 
and following him. Embrace God's gifts, gifts of limits. And what we learned in that is if we violate the limits that God's given us, we will violate our health, our spiritual health, emotional health, physical health. Discover the treasures hidden in grief and loss. I was struck when I studied, studied this is that Jesus, in a sermon on the mount, talked about grief. He said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And I was thinking, how much comfort from the Holy Spirit do we forfeit because we think it's weak to grieve? God said, Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. Mourn from our own sins. Mourn for the things that's going on. Mourn from our, our, our disappointments. It's okay to give those things to the Lord. We weren't meant to carry them. Make love the measure of spiritual maturity. Love is so important. I don't know. I think it was in the 1970s. In the military, they, had the, they developed the commander's intent. The commander's intent in the military, in the army. And the commander's intent was because military, they, they would draw up all these integral plans. I mean, to the, to the great detail going into all of these plans, but they found out whenever they got in the battlefield, those plans went out the window because what they were planning didn't happen. Weather conditions or the enemy, they thought the enemy was going to be over here, but the enemy was over here. So they had to come up with what was called the commander's intent. So the commander intent, push aside all this detailed information. Here's the commander's intent. We want to take out that bunker over this hill. So it doesn't matter if you get separated or whatever, or you're the last soldier standing, you try to make it to take out the enemy in this bunker over this hill. You know what the commander's intent for believers is? Love. Love never fails. And really, the level of our love determines the level of our maturity. I believe some, without love, what we do in the kingdom doesn't even register. So make love a measure of spiritual maturity. Break the power of the past. Because of the blood of Jesus, because of the name of Jesus, we have the power to break the power of our past. Can I get an amen? amen? Our past does not have to determine our present or our future because of what Jesus did on the cross. Thank you, Lord. Break the power of the past. Lead out of weakness and vulnerability. This is what we're going to talk about today. Lead out of Weakness and vulnerability. When we were, Christine and I were in Lawton, Oklahoma, this was probably around, we, we moved there in 2009. She was in the military. Uh, she was stationed at Fort Sill. And around 2011 or 2010, it was time for her to transition from the military to become a civilian. And as a job, a com uh, being in the military was all Christina knew. 
So it was kind of rough for her. And it was a big transition in our lives, so we felt like we needed to get some counseling. How many, how many know it's okay to, to go to Christian counseling? And we, we went there, and we thought we were just, you know, we were going to do the counseling thing, but that guy taught us about grace. Oh, my goodness. He taught us about grace. And I learned for the first time what it meant in terms of per perfectionism. Everybody say perfectionism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So perfectionism is our yearning to make things right or perfect or how it ought to be. You know, sometimes we know how it ought to be. It's our yearning to have it how, we, how it ought to be, have it perfect or have it this way in our own strength. And I'm starting to learn that perfectionism is a killer. Perfectionism, I believe the fruit of fear is perfectionism. Why do we have perfectionism? Why do we have to struggle with that? Because we used to be perfect. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were perfect. But when they fell, ever since then, I believe mankind has this consciousness to know, man, I should be able to do this. I should be able to do this. But here's the deal. We can't do it in our own strength anymore. We need Jesus. He's the answer. Mankind messed it up. The first Adam messed it up. The second Adam came to make it right. So now we have to trust in him, Jesus Christ. One of the stories that our, my, my counselor and he gave, and I, I consider him a spiritual father. He taught us about grace. I remember one time he looked at me and he said, LT, because I was, I was working in ministry, associate worship pastor, he said, LT, if you don't slow down and if you don't stop carrying those things you were never meant to carry, you're going to kill yourself. He got my attention. I don't think we'd still be in ministry or I don't know where we'd be if we didn't get a little grasp of what it meant to have grace and to rely on the Lord. And so when we are learning to rely on the Lord, it's causing us to be, it calls for us to be vulnerable. In the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitude, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know what the word picture of that scripture meant? Hunger and thirst. The word picture in the Greek represents a baby who is totally dependent on mama for nourishment. Totally dependent. Unless the mom picks up the baby, brings the baby to her breast, the baby's not going to survive. The baby is yearning for the milk. That's the picture. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. 
it's, we have a vulnerability already built in. But sometimes we think we got it all going on, all that in a bag of chips, right? We don't need nothing. I don't need to be vulnerable. But that is a killer in terms of not being vulnerable to the Lord. So we're going to talk about a passage today that talks about this beautiful person who understood the importance of being vulnerable. And there's three things that I think we can learn from her. A lot more than three things, but three things that I believe God wanted us to highlight. Because as we learn to be vulnerable and weak, we become strong. The Bible says, when I was weak, then I will be strong. So I, I love this story. Um, Uzziah, King Uzziah, he was a stand-up king in Israel. He was amazing until, the Bible says, until he became strong. What did that mean? Until he became strong in his own might, he became prideful. I mean, this king built up the army. He built cities. He invented weapons. He was the bomb.com. <laughs> but the Bible says when he became strong, he lost his way. See, the Bible says be strong in yourself. Did it say that? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you will be able to stand against the wiles, the tricks of the devil. It said, be strong in the Lord. And I believe being strong in the Lord is when we realize that we are vulnerable. You know what? We're like sheep. Everybody say sheep. sheep. Y'all saw that, that video when that, that shepherd was helping that sheep out of the... You seen that one? Helping them out. And then went right back in there, just... Sheep aren't really smart. And without the Lord, we are not smart. You know what? On a serious note, we see what happens to society who thinks they're smarter than God. We're seeing that now in our society. Smarter than God, like you look at the news, you're like, why would you ever do anything like that? What are you thinking? But that's what it looks like without God. It's like, it's like it was in Judges. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. There is a standard. That standard is Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? amen. There's Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about this, this story. Let's read it. Luke 7, 36. Start at 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at a table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. 
And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them. You know that a kiss in certain contexts is a sign of worship. I heard about this story of this preacher. He was about to plant a church in this town, and there's other churches already in town, so he wanted to be respectful and say, hey, you know, we're going we're gonna to plant a church over here, and um, we just wanted to say, you know, how you doing, and just, just want to get you guys' blessing. And that minister, I heard this minister reached out his hand. He had a ring on his hand, reached out his hand and asked them, that new minister to kiss his ring. What? What was that minister, the other minister asking for? Worship. This lady was worshiped, kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. And please forgive me. This is the person, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to bash her at all. I just, when I read this, imagine if Lady Gaga was this lady that was doing all this. Do you know who she is? Do you know what she's done? And Jesus answered, said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denario, denari, um, a denarii was the equivalent of a day's wage. So I did some research, and the average wage, daily wage of a person in America is 250 bucks. So 500 denarii, worth 125,000, and the other 50 worth 12,000. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more. Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered her house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. 
And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at, at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And, she, and he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And I know it was a little shocking when I mentioned Lady, Lady Gaga. But you know what? If Lady, and I pray, if Lady Gaga repents, Jesus would have the same response as this story. Alabaster. So I was doing some, some study on alabaster. You know, when I first started reading this, I thought alabaster was the type of oil, but I've learned, you can go to this photo, I learned that alabaster is a type of rock. Uh, yeah, it's a, alabaster is a type of rock. And this rock is, is, is really beautiful. It's, a, it's, it's, it's soft. It's translucent. It is amazing. It kind of looks like soap, a bar of soap. But this is the type of container that this lady brought in, and we'll talk a little bit more. We're, we'll, we'll learn today that even in the characteristics of this alabaster jar, it's actually similar and connects to the, the characteristics of what it means to be vulnerable before God. So here's the first one. First one is humility. Alabaster is easily broken. This type of rock was easily broken. Some sculptors would use it to, because it was so pliable, use it to just design really pretty things. But this alabaster was super important. Let's go to the scripture again. Humility is important. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table, and behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. So just picture this. She walks in. She doesn't even Notice. I mean, she notices them, but she's in her own world. She has one thing on her mind. She wants to get right with Jesus. She wants to get right with the Lord, and everybody else fades away. Here's one thing about being vulnerable, and one thing about humility. See, humility fo focuses more on the audience of one. Humility focuses more on what God thinks about me. Pride in the other stuff focuses on what other people think. She wasn't worried about what other people thought. She went straight to it. And so if we're going to, if we're going to learn how to be vulnerable and learn the benefits of being vulnerable and weak before the Lord, we have to understand that we don't live to please other people. We live ultimately to please the Lord. Amen. Can I get Amen. I, I looked up some quotes, and I thought these quotes were pretty interesting. It's talking about humility versus pride. Nothing sets a person 
so much out of the devil's reach as humility. Nothing sets a person so much out of the devil's reach as humility. Here's this next thing. Self. Satan's exact location forever. Satan's exact location forever. See, the enemy wants us to focus on self. This lady wasn't focused on self. She had a humility and a boldness to even, you know, here's another thing. Foot, feet washing in that culture, in that time, was the lowest thing, the lowest of the low. It was so low even in the Jewish culture that they wouldn't even have their servants, a Jewish servant, to do it. They would have a foreign person wash somebody's feet. So she's washing the Savior's feet. She was, so she went past culture norms. She went past culture norms and was vulnerable unto the Lord. There's a blessing in humility. Romans 12, 3 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. There's something special about humility. The Bible says that he rejects the proud but gives grace to the humble. So in order for us to learn how to be vulnerable, we need to, we need to embrace humility. Here's the second thing. Sacrificial. Alabaster is costly. It was very costly. Let's read from Mark. Mark 14. There was... There were some who said, this is the same story, but from a different angle, slightly different angle. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? So here, there's a lesson right there. Sometimes what the world considers waste, God considers precious. Why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more then 300 denarii and given to the poor. Oh, you know, like that person was really concerned about the poor, and they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them, but you will not always have me. She has done what, what, what she could, she has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly, I say to you, whether the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Costly. So 300 denarii is, is worth, he said, more than 300 denarii. So 300 denarii is $75,000. So she poured 70, probably 90, in our day's currency, $90,000 worth of oil and anointed Jesus. When we become vulnerable, we make a sacrifice. 
We make a sacrifice. So I looked up. Look at this beautiful picture of this soldier. This beautiful person made a sacrifice. What is sacrifice? Here's a definition of, of sacrifice that God gave me in my study. Sacrifice is giving up something we have value for, for something or someone who we believe has greater value. So when we give up something that we have a value for someone else or something else that sometimes we think is more valuable. See, this lady knew the value of Jesus. And apparently the disciples and some of those other people in there did not really have a glimpse of Jesus's value. But since she did, she made a sacrifice. Why sometimes we don't want to sacrifice to the Lord? We don't know his value. And so it said in the scripture that it was pure nard in the other translation. Check this out. I, I just looked it up in the web, website, nard, in this next slide. It, it helps. This is pure nard. Helps fungal infections, skin conditions, cuts and wounds, stress and anxiety, heart health, laxative, um, uterus and ovaries, inflammation, aromic, detergent, de deodorant for your home potentially can help fight Parkinson's. This was valuable stuff. So I, I use oils. I'm not trying to sell oil. But like this bottle here, Thieves, it helps to disinfect and kill bad stuff. This bottle here, this little bottle here, $35. Right, this one. And deep relief, when I get headaches sometimes, I use this and put it on my neck and on my head because I don't like to use medicines if I don't have to. And this, 35, so pure nard, she used it. And that's why I believe this person has some kind of status in the community to come up with seventy dollars or $90,000 to use. This person had some kind of access to resources, some kind of status. She was a sinner. She must have done bad things. But she recognized God's value, and she gave it. She gave it. Mark 14, 5. This next slide. For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. So the next slide, I just did the math. But when we learn to be vulnerable to the Lord, when we learn to be strong in the Lord, we learn the importance of sacrificing for him. And here's the next one. Awareness. When we learn to be vulnerable, we learn to be, and we, are, we learn to be aware. Aware. See, alabaster, in one of those pictures you saw that light could be seen through it. So beautiful. And when I looked at this passage, I was thinking about a word. What's one word that can describe all the rest of those people in that room? Oblivious. Oblivious. They had no idea what was going on. They didn't see the value of what she was doing. Oh, man, you could have used that for, you know, gave to the poor. They were unaware. 
And sometimes learning to be the kind of disciple that he wants us to be helps us when we understand what he values. See, sometimes we get caught up in what we value and forget about what God values. Like, for example, and I don't want to put this family on the spot, but I just want to just highlight the Waddell family. They are sacrificial. They come to Hogan House. Do y'all volunteer there two times a month? Two, two to three? <laughs> they don't have to, but they have an awareness. They're sacrificial. And they have awareness to serve and to serve the Lord. And see, sometimes, though, instead of us being aware, we're deceived. It's like we're sitting in the darkness. Those people, I believe, I'm just thinking about it. Light was shining all around. Spiritual light was shining all around this lady. And these people were kind of like in heaven. A spotlight was on this lady. And the rest of them was kind of like in the dark. When we have a vulnerable heart, we allow light, God's truth, to penetrate us. Because you know what? Sometimes when we don't want to be vulnerable, why don't we want to be vulnerable? Because of fear. Fear is our number one enemy. Because the devil uses fear to deceive. Well, if I'm not, if, if I'm vulnerable, may, what if I don't get everything that I want? If I'm not vulnerable, what if I don't get what I need? So I can't be, I have to hold it to myself. No, we need to give it to God and watch him do better with it. Can I get an amen? amen. When we give things to God, think about Abraham and Isaac. Abraham loved this boy. He waited so long for him. So long. And God said, you know what? Why don't you sacrifice Isaac? What? Can you imagine what would go on in his heart? What? But he trusted the Lord so much, and he was vulnerable so much that he did it. He's like, you know what? God gave me a promise. He said that he was going to bless me through my loin. So if I go through with this, God's going to raise him back to life. So I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to be vulnerable to what God is telling me to do. I'm not going to hold back. You know, sometimes we're holding back and we're missing out on what God wants to do. Luke 7, 39 I'm going to read this again and just think about how oblivious and unaware these people were. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this who who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. And certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, and the other. Let's go to the next slide. Do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? I entered her house. You gave me no water for my feet, 
but she has wet my feet with, te with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. They were unaware. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. What was Jesus saying? He was like reprimanding them. You guys were unaware. And sometimes when we, when we are not vulnerable to the Lord and what he wants to do in our lives, it will cause us to not be aware of how he's moving and what he wants to do in our lives. So I had a story to share with you guys. And, it, and to be honest, it's kind of embarrassing. You ever told an embarrassing story about yourself? This is embarrassing. So when I was in, and my kids are not allowed to hold it against me. No, I'm just kidding. So when I was in middle school, I was in band. And I loved this band program. This band program was better than the high school program. I mean, the middle school band could run circles around the high school that I, this high school band that I went to. And I played a baritone. I, I mean, I took piano lessons before I hit this band, but I loved this band so much that I quit my piano lessons. I wish I didn't quit my piano lessons. But anyway, I was, I was in, in, Mr. Carson was his name. He was the band director. He was good. You could tell he was passionate about what he did. And we had a lot of fun. And he trusted us. And we, sometimes he would, we would raise money for the trips that we, we had and stuff. And so he'd have people sell candy for him. And one day, you know, uh, I had sticky fingers. And I was grabbing some of those Skittles for myself. I told you, this is embarrassing. Grabbing some of those skills for myself, and Mr. Carson walked in and saw. And I saw Mr. Carson's face, and it, he was heartbroken. And that broke my heart. I'm like, after all he's done for us, and, and I'm doing this? You know, he never said anything to me about that, treated me the same. And God told me. And then, you know, a month after that, check this out now. Talk about read what you sow. A month after. One, something that I had that was really valuable to me was stolen. And I was heartbroken. You know, the Lord said to me, he said, LT, if you don't mess with other people's stuff, I will protect your stuff. But since you did that, guess what? You reap what you sowed. And God's been so faithful. It's like he protects my stuff. He made a promise to me. But here's the deal. That changed my life. I heard God speak to me so clearly, son, you can't be doing that. What are you doing? And it caused me to be more sensitive to his voice, and it changed my walk. And it caused me to be more vulnerable to his leading. When we make 
the choice to be vulnerable to the Lord, it will change your life. There's a blessing in humility. There is a blessing in humility. There's a blessing in learning how to be aware of what he wants to do. But here's the deal. This is what I believe God wanted me to share, part of what he wanted me to share. How do we rob from God? How do we steal from God when we choose not to be vulnerable to him? I was still in those Skittles, but sometimes we steal from God. We steal from his opportunity to bless us because, you know, God wants to bless us. He wants the best for us. And those people that was in that room missed their opportunity. It was such a beautiful opportunity because Jesus said, you know what? What she did, everybody's going to know about it. There's a blessing in that. And I believe God, we're going to go just sing, sing that song one more time. I believe God will say to one of you, what are you holding back from me? What are you holding close to your, your chest that you are not allowing me to have? What are some areas in your life that you're not being vulnerable? What are some areas in your life that you're being strong in your own strength instead of strong in me? So I just, I just felt like God wanted us to take a, take a little moment. Just do an inventory in our heart and ask the Lord, what are some things? How can I walk, learn to walk more in your weakness so I can be weak, so I can be strong in you. What are some of those things? How can I be? What are some things that I'm deciding to hold on to that I feel like I need? See, when that, when that lady came there, she gave up something that was valuable. She gave up like $90,000 worth of oil. What can we do for the Lord? So let's pray.